Welcome back into the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney, the editor-in-chief of arrowheadpride.com. And we're pleased this morning to be joined by Dr. Angela Rasmussen of Columbia University, an expert scientist on the forefront of fighting COVID in our country. This is now a a issue that is finding its way to the NFL. So we're very, very pleased to, to be joined by you this morning, doctor. Thanks so much for having me, Pete. I think the first question I have is a general one, and I, I like to cast a wide net. Where would you say in this timeline, because timeline is always a hot word we, we hear about with COVID, where would you say in this timeline we're at uh, as a country as we get to uh, approach maybe perhaps some normalcy here? Well, I think we're still some months away from that, unfortunately. Um, I think we had a chance to have that happen sooner um, when we all stayed home in the spring and and did effectively flatten the curve as uh, as the <laughs> right. messaging was at that time. Um, but unfortunately, we reopened far too quickly. And now we are in a situation that's far worse nationwide than it was in the spring um, with widespread community transmission. I don't see another stay home order um, right. being put into effect. So that means that we are going to have probably higher levels of community transmission, even if we can convince people to take as many precautions as possible. Um, so I think really what we are doing now is effectively waiting for a vaccine. And I think the earliest we probably will see a vaccine that will be available to some people will probably be towards the end of this year, um, possibly the early part of next year. So we are still, and, and actually I should say that once we do get a vaccine, it's not, there's not going to be enough of it available for everybody all at once. Right. And there will, of course, be some people who won't take it. And that is all going to be played out probably over the course of some more months. So uh, we're still quite a ways away from uh, going back to quote unquote normal. I think you, you might have answered it in the first question, but it, it leads me into my second. And that is, is restarting the National Football League a good idea in your mind? So I'm a, a huge Seahawks fan and a season ticket holder. And uh, as much as I wish that we could start the NFL back up again, I don't think that it's safe, even with no fans present. And I know that uh, we at, at CenturyLink Field have often competed with you guys for being the noisiest <laughs> crowds in the NFL. Um so having uh, a bunch of Chiefs fans or Seahawks fans all screaming at the top of their lungs uh, in a crowded stadium is an incredibly unsafe uh, super spreader event waiting to happen. So no fans, but even without fans, it's really difficult to see how the NFL will be able to safely restart football. Um, just the nature of football is, is a game where you're, you're putting players at risk Um they're engaging in activities that are known to be high risk, such as uh, shouting, um, being in close physical proximity with each other, uh, not necessarily being able to wear masks. And I realized that, you know, there has been discussions about face shields potentially for yep. helmets and things like that. But um, it's just really football teams are large. Also, uh, one of the other risk factors is being in a crowd. Um, so I can, I just can't see how 
people will be able to stand on the sidelines, for example, uh, in close proximity all day, potentially shouting, producing right. large numbers of respiratory droplets. Even when they're not playing, um, there there's certainly a, a higher risk situation. And we've seen that in the NBA, they have been fairly successful at um, putting people in a bubble. But the nature of football is such that people will have to be traveling to uh, to other stadiums um, and they really can't be in a bubble the way the NBA has. We've seen Major League Baseball, which doesn't have a bubble, be plagued with, uh, with numerous outbreaks on various teams. And I think that's probably what we're likely to see with the NFL as well. Well, first, obviously, on behalf of Chiefs fans, I do have to apologize that you guys are only the number two loudest stadium in, in the world. <laughs> But uh, no, but more seriously, from from a success standpoint, you, you mentioned, and, and that was something I was interested in, in the NBA and the MLS and the NHL, they are in what would be the equivalent of this bubble. What the NFL has created with daily testing, and I've seen it in Kansas City, is individual bubbles, 32 bubbles. But at the same time, the number one problem that I've been garnering from people that are in the building and things that you're hearing, social media, the quotes of Andy Reid, is that when the players leave the bubble, that is going to be the most important aspect of this. And is the problem just too many people, just not enough guarantee that everyone is going to be perfectly fine? Or is it a scenario where even in a perfect world where the guys just went home and came back and went home and came back, you still would be bringing that potential risk into the world? Yeah, I mean, the, the problem, it's actually a lot of people, I think, are sort of confused by this when talking about reopening schools, but there's not much difference between reopening a school and reopening an NFL team. Um, <laughs> the issue with both is the amount of transmission in the community. And even though you might be in a bubble um, and you might be completely adhering to the rules, which not everybody does, people are still going to be going home to their families. Um, those families are, are within our part of the community as well. And there's just many opportunities, even within a bubble in which everybody is, is completely following the protocols to be exposed to people who are not in that bubble and who are part of the community. Um, and when there's a lot of virus being transmitted around in the community, it's really difficult to eliminate that risk. Right. And so you, there's just that super unknown factor. So I, I, I guess what you eventually get here is this suggestion that is your prediction higher percentage wise that the league will eventually have to shut it down after trying to attempt this or, or where do you stand on that? How do you see this going? I mean, I, I'm a data-driven person. So <laughs> certainly, and as a football fan, I hope that they can open up and since they are going to and uh, have games safely and not have the same problems that Major League Baseball has had. Um, but I'm very skeptical uh, that, that that's possible. Um, perhaps if we have increased our testing capacity to the point that we can start actually isolating people effectively who are new cases, detecting them early and isolating them, lowering community transmission will make it safer uh, for football to proceed. Um, but I think that there is a very strong possibility that they may have to shut it down or at least uh, shut down certain teams. 
is one of the major problems in this, and I'm sure you've been on the pulse of this as a sports fan as well, where you saw an outbreak with the Miami Marlins uh, and then the opponent they were playing, they weren't really impacted. And I think that might be a product of it being baseball. Football, when you have the line of scrimmage, it's just players all over each other. So if you have a team, for example, like the Miami Marlins, let's assume they're playing football. Isn't it based upon how this virus goes, almost a guarantee that you're going to pass it to the other team in the game of football? That that seems very likely to me. And the thing is, with baseball, you know, it's not surprising that there have been so many outbreaks among individual teams because people are picking it up in the community they're bringing it into the team setting where it, in some cases it's just impossible to, to observe physical distancing. Um, some things are impossible to do with masks on and none of those things completely eliminate the risk of exposure, but it makes sense that the other teams are not infected because it's baseball and people are standing, you know, usually when they're on the field, um, right. some distance from each other. But I always think about the line of scrimmage with football. Um, not only are people, uh, like tackling and blocking and, and actually being very physically close to each other. But even before the ball is snapped, people are, are leaning up very close to each other, expressing their respiratory droplets at each other. And usually uh, there's trash talking going on, you know, creating potentially more of those respiratory droplets than you would if you were normally speaking. So there are a lot of opportunities in football to have uh, not, not uh, in individual cases like prolonged contact, but cumulatively, you, you might be exposed to those droplets a lot over the course of a game every time uh, people line up along the line of scrimmage. So I think that the, the game of football itself is inherently a higher risk and there's no way to completely mitigate that risk. Right. All right. So to sort of wrap this up here, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, as I've gotten, I think, all the takeaways from you here. Fans completely not going to be a safe option right now. I know the Chiefs right now, I believe at this juncture, they're still going to try to allow limited fans. From what I, you're saying, you probably will see this go no fans throughout the league because that's going to be safest. And then I, I guess just to bring it back full circle, the timetable on this thing, the NFL is going to give it its go. You, you don't feel optimistic about it being able to get this thing done. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Fair to think that one year's time from today, so let's say August 7th, 2021, there's a little bit more normal of a season or just a, a much better chance for that? Or is this the type of thing that, depending on how this vaccine goes, will affect the NFL and really everything for the, for the foreseeable future? Yeah, I think that, I hope, certainly just um, in general, not, not even as a football fan, but I right. hope that by August of next year, we are getting back to a more normal situation and we have right. a better chance at having a normal football season. Um, personally, we have set, we have put pause, um, on our season tickets is something the Seahawks allowed us to do to not give up our season tickets, but to not even use them for this year. Um, we are allowing the Seahawks to sell them to other people, uh, for this season only, because again, I'm not convinced that it will be safe at all to have fans in stadiums. Um, even with physical distancing and even though it's outdoors, uh, there, there is still, a you know, a, a non-zero risk of transmission, especially when you have people who are yelling, um, <laughs> even with a mask and yelling and speaking loudly, uh, singing, 
these activities are known to produce more respiratory droplets into the environment. And that is, uh, again, a very good way to, to spread the virus um, among crowds of people. So I think that this season is certainly not going to be normal. Um, right. I hope that by next season, there's a vaccine that's not only safe and effective, but is eventually widely adopted enough um, by people that we can at least start approaching herd immunity uh, and, and it will be safe to, to go back and, and start competing with each other for Guinness Book of Records, loudest fans. <laughs> I know I said I'd close it, but I, I think what's occurred to me just quickly here, there, there almost is this intrinsic worry that I have that the NFL season, even if fans can't go to the actual stadiums, we know like football culture in America I imagine there's going to be people flocking to bars and restaurants to try to mimic that type of experience. I, I wonder if there's a risk there of just watching the game where you may see a little bit of a, a spike or a boost in, in coronavirus cases. I think that that's a huge risk. And we've already seen that. I mean, in my personal opinion, bars being open indoors are one of the single biggest factors in right. why cases have climbed because in a bar, you're really doing a lot of all of the things that you shouldn't be doing. You're potentially getting <laughs> in an enclosed space yeah. with a large number of people who are not wearing masks because you can't drink with a mask on, um, who may not be observing physical distancing as well as they should because they're drinking alcohol and losing some of their inhibitions, um, and potentially who are yelling. And if there's a dance floor, um, might be dancing and like increasing their respiration rate. Um, all of those things increase uh, the number of respiratory droplets in the environment and will increase your exposure risk. And bars, I mean, if we want to have anything open, and I like going to bars, um, <laughs> I like watching football at bars. Yes. Uh, but if we want to have anything open, schools, NFL, um, anything, I think we really need to have a serious conversation about closing bars and indoor dining uh, in particular, because those do seem to be very um, productive environments for uh, mass exposures. Good tips. Uh, where's the best place to get concrete scientific data and updates? I know that this has become a little bit of a political thing. So if people are just looking for the straight up facts, where would be the best place to, to find those? Yeah, this is a tough one because uh, I used to say the CDC, but Unfortunately, some of the guidance from the CDC has been overly politicized and uh, not, not all of the guidance is necessarily the most up-to-date, evidence-based right. uh, place to get information. But um, I hate to say this because it sounds, <laughs> it sounds bad, but I honestly get a lot of scientific information from Twitter and, yeah. uh, and, following people like not just me. So I'm a virologist and I can tell you all about the virus um, and some of these things about, you know, what we know about virus transmission, for example, and how to apply those to the real world. But I have learned personally so much from following epidemiologists, um, infection prevention folks, uh, ID physicians, um, people on Twitter who are really doing an excellent job communicating. And Twitter, for the most part, uh, has been pretty good about verifying uh, people who have this expertise. I mean, I never Great. thought that I would be personally a Twitter verified person, um, but uh, they verified me and they verified a number of my colleagues who can be trusted. Um, 
And again, what, it's not perfect. What's your handle? Just so people have it. It's Angie underscore Rasmussen. Okay, great. That's a resource for people to find. I feel like the data we can we can trust here as we try to find some kind of normalcy. And as you have kind of stated here, it, it's going to be a while. Yeah, it, it really is. I mean, we're in this for the long haul. And uh, I hate to I hate to be the bearer of that bad news, especially because I think that this really could have been avoided the way that some other countries have successfully contained this virus. But it is what it is. And this is the, the situation that we're living in. So I, I really am trying to encourage people to limit their expectations about you know, how quickly a vaccine is going to get us to the end of this. But that is really, I think, what's going to get us to the end of this. And we just need to sort of be united and understand this is a struggle that we're going through as a nation um, and, you know, take care of each other, support each other and try to do the best that we can to, to stick the rest of this pandemic out. She's a scientist from Columbia University, unfortunately, hanging out with Russell Wilson. But we do appreciate the time today. <laughs> My pleasure. Thanks so much, Pete.